0: Whoever or whoever you may be, this is a Recluse Podcast and I'm your host, Alan Arante. Today's guest is one of my best friends, an abstract artist from Ventura, Will Rusk. He's somebody I've known since around 8th grade. I've known him longer than I haven't known him. I distinctly recall being in middle school and judging him. He was a basketball player. Um, He wore basketball shorts and apparently that was enough for me to criticize him in my own mind. Um, uh, Humbly, I can say that I've grown from that uh, boxed perspective. I'm sure he was more than that then and he is certainly more than that now. I remember in high school being in a punk band and we were buddies. I mean, he, he... in Ventura, actually, we, my band, Forgotten Society, played the Ventura Theater. And uh, Will, Mr. Will Rusk, he was one of our biggest supporters, one of our good friends up in the front row jumping up. Um, I can still see him flopping like a fish uh, at the Ventura Theater in my mind. I can still see that. Will Rusk, he's a talented artist. He's a good friend, a loyal friend, an honest friend. He's a good brother, a good son, somebody that I would go into battle with, somebody that I know wouldn't abandon me or leave me behind. There's a lot more to say about Will Rusk, but I'll save that for future episodes because um, I just really like talking to him. I hope we do it again. So without further ado, this is a portrait of Will Rusk. We are officially on the record it is Monday May 4th 2020 it is about 6 o'clock 6 16 we are in quarantine We got one question for you or actually two questions who the hell are you how the hell are you
1: I am Will Rusk and all things considered I'm very good
0: how are yeah, you brother? yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good um there's so much free time. I know we've talked about this a lot, but uh, this is the time to do stuff. I mean, if you have a, a book you want to write, something to paint, something to do, I mean, that isn't social. I mean, this is the time. So I've been pretty good. Um, I've been um, a little hard on myself, frankly, trying to do as much as I can. Um, how, how have you been dealing with all this free time?
1: You know, I, I think I've been faring really well with it. Um it's something that I always kind of wanted was a like undistracted uh art practice and uh so through the whole pandemic thing it's been uh really good in that sense of being able to just paint, you know, without being distracted, but you know at the same time there's there's a lot that I miss <laughs> from this whole thing it's like kind of brings a lot to the surface you know
0: yeah yeah it it's so petty of me to say this but I, I miss going to the bar like you know not that uh like i'm that you know i'm not a huge drinker per se but i just miss going to the bar having a nice cold glass of beer and talking to a buddy like i, I miss that
1: yeah i, I did i was actually thinking about that uh last night like just even, you know, hanging out with a buddy, catching up or even just going alone and just kind yeah. of listening and kind of just just kind of being a, like an observer of what's going on and just getting the vibe of the place. And I don't know, <laughs> just being around people and energy of people and the random, you know, people, too. It's it's like, you know, where I live, there's a couple people around where I live. So I see the same people all the time which yeah. I'm really grateful to be around people. But I also am realizing that I miss just seeing random people, even yeah. if I don't know, them. just like right. it being mixed up like that in a bar is a great example of just kind of being able to blend in and just observe random people, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I like that too. I'm thinking back to the last time I was at bench warmer, uh, bench warmers, uh, you know, near your place. And, uh, I, it's really fun to just be, I guess that's where that barfly term maybe comes from. It, it's really fun to be a barfly. You just kind of hang back. You see like a party come in, you see how they, the dynamics of their, you know, socializing goes like those dynamics and you socialize with the bartender a little bit. You get to know them, you know, your elbow to elbow with a stranger who you may or may not talk to. Um, yeah, I, it's so odd to miss, to miss that, you know, that's like, hardly even socializing it's sort of being like a a person in the room while being invisible you know i i I mean you're you're maybe you're a little different i don't know if you experience it like that because you're very social um but do you know what i mean by kind of just sitting back and watching like people interact with each other
1: totally yeah i mean you know the thing that i always really dig about that situation is um i will Try you know, if you're in town or even out of town, um, just sitting there talking to a bartender, even if you don't know the bartender, you kind of get to know the bartender. And then, you know, whoever's at the bar, if they're sitting alone, too, they'll kind of chip in. And now you've got this triangle (laughs) conversation. And before you know it, you've got this really cool ongoing dialogue with whoever's around you, or you just hang back and kind of observe or you know even daydream or right yeah I, I, you know it's it's I, I, that that element just the uh, who knows what could happen you know you <laughs> might you might meet somebody you might see some you know some um something else play out in the people around you or you might just get to chill out in a cool environment and soak it in i, I really miss it i i'm with you yeah. completely
0: Yeah. I like, you know, it's so strange. I, um, I used to like times I would go to a bar and just sit there with a glass of beer by myself. I, you know, what used to interest me a lot is watching the bartender interact with the bar patrons. Mm -hmm. Like I've, like I've noticed, um, like bartenders buy drinks for people. I've noticed bartenders be sort of fed up with people. I've noticed bartenders be really friendly with people. It's like somebody who goes in there a lot. Um, I I find that uh, bartender dynamic to be I, I find it fascinating. It's really funny to s- sit there for an hour and watch that pattern of interaction they have with people they know, people they don't know. Um, and it I, I probably never will be a bartender, but I just wonder what that's like being a bartender. You know, you must see a lot of crazy shit.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, and you know I I, I do the exact same thing on, on just observing a bartender and there's such, there's such levels to it. Like a, there's a, yeah. such a difference between a bartender who doesn't give a shit and a bartender <laughs> who's like a great bartender. Like it's so like, if you walk, if, if seeing, you know, the drinks on the bar before you even order it to the regulars or, um, you know, kind of diffusing conflict over there in, in a non-aggressive, but like well done way or spurring conversation or seeing somebody who's, you know, lonely or whatever, and doesn't have anyone taught talk to. Kind of bringing them in. Like, there is a real art to, to bar oh, Yeah. and then there's also kind of a like a therapist element to it too. Oh, um, yeah. If you're a regular at a bar, you can kind of have this uninvolved third party. Like, hey, let me ask you a question. What do you think about this? Or settle this? You know, this disagreement we're having. Or what? Do you, what's your opinion on this? Like, it's a, it's a, it's a really it's something I really appreciate as a, as a great bartender.
0: Yeah. Wow. You know, that's actually a really interesting, um, parallel there. The bart people who go to bars, like I, I guess, yeah, people who go to bars and, the, uh, uh, how it's sort of therapy. I, I think you said the word therapy. That's mm-hmm. really interesting because first of all, it's the bartender's job to talk to you. It's the bartender's job to serve you. But, so much comes with that you know it's different than being like a waitress you know you a waitress or a waiter just shows up you know periodically a bartender does too but there's some difference you know the bartender is stuck in that little back area that little bar area and they have to interact with you but um uh, uh, but yeah i've noticed that with uh, good bartenders or bartenders that i that i've enjoyed um they have that element of curiosity and of um, and a willingness to hear what you have to say. Um, I remember talking to a bartender in uh, Las Vegas. I, uh, went with my, I visited, I visited with my dad and, um, he was off doing something and I had to be at the bar in Vegas and, uh, I was getting wasted there, but these bartenders were uh, just humoring me. They, you know, they didn't, I, I, you know, I I feel like I'm a good judge of people. I, I could tell they weren't like annoyed with me. Um, but I think that's such an interesting parallel to to draw from bartending and therapy because we then get into the area of like you know some people drink to self medicate so it's like a person going into a bar to talk to a bartender it's like their therapy they're self medicating but they're also getting this two cents from you know the prescription writer I, I think that's a very interesting parallel to draw yeah and
1: you know, it's also if you're maybe in a bad place in life or maybe, you know, where you're living or just like a hard day at work or whatever. And you go into a bar and now there's an ambiance that yeah. you are being absorbed into where it's, it's like, yeah, you know, the drink is taking you out of that anxiety, <laughs> anger, whatever. But also the environment you're mm. in, you're now absorbed in this environment and you can you vent about it, you can um, be distracted from it by, you know, the bartender or the other people at the bar, or you can kind of just, you know, go into it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think there's, there's, I, I used to spend a, a lot more, I mean, now nobody spends time at <laughs> bars, but I used to go to bars all the time. And I used to just enjoy going in and Seeing somebody I knew's face that, you know, I, you know, being a regular at a bar, you can walk in and it's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, how's your day? It's like seeing a friend almost, yeah. you know? Um, and then you'll see the other regulars at the bar. <laughs> I don't know. It's a whole, there's a kind of a whole thing to it. That is, is pretty cool. And I definitely miss right around now.
0: Yeah. I was, now that I'm thinking about a, a Vegas, I was, um, so I was talking to a bartender and You know, in Vegas, of course, there are like slot machines and like, you know, little like computers in the bars where you can gamble, you know, like at any bar. Yeah. Yeah. And and the bartender was saying something about um, not every regular, but that at least in Vegas, and places like Vegas where you can gamble, that they really saw the bottom of the barrel of people Mm -hmm. come in. You know, people that were there all the time betting on the same machine You know, every penny that they would win, throwing it right back to the machine. And, you know, there's sort of, you know, I think there's sort of a conflict of ethics there. It's like, you know, you have to serve them as a as a patron of the bar. But at the same time, you're a human. It's like, wow, I'm watching this person just deteriorate. I'm watching this person just flush their life down the down the toilet I'm not saying every bartender has that problem. I'm, I'm just saying like, at least in Vegas, like in places like that, that I wonder if bartenders go home, like it, do they have to totally divorce their, themselves from the people that come in? You know, do you take that home with you? Like, what do you think about that?
1: It's a good. It's, it's a good question. It's a good point. I mean, I think every bartender probably has to deal with it in some capacity, you know, some more than others. Vegas and the whole betting thing, That's just, it's a, it's just, it's like twofold, but I don't remember (laughs) who told me this story. I don't know if it was my dad or somebody, somebody had told me this story and it was this, he, this person was at a bar. It was in a town that they hadn't been in before and they had, you know, eaten dinner at the bar and kind of really gotten to know the bartender. And this old lady, older lady comes in to the bar and As he sees her walk in, he makes the, you know, her martini, right? She drinks it. Everything's good. Has the second one, you know, drinks another martini. And she says, okay, you know what? I'm done. I appreciate it. Like, I'll see you later, you know, John or whatever the bartender's name is. And she walks out. And as she's walking away, he starts making a third martini. Wow. Because he already knows. And sure enough, as soon as she gets to the door, turns around and has that, (laughs) It's like, but you know, um, that's that dynamic of like, okay, I know this person doesn't like there's, it's that, it's that kind of like, all right, yeah, she doesn't want that, but she, you, I know she's coming back uh, for it. Or it's that, that alcoholism element. I don't know. I've never asked a bartender that question. It's really an interesting one. But I think, you know, in a bar, you, you being a bar paid, like having gone to bars, you can see it. Yeah. You know, I've gone in and, and definitely seen that and you know there's probably times where it was like you know I, I don't know it's it's I think I think it's it's a it's it's interesting I don't know there's there's definitely times where you go into a bar and you're just like oh man this is brutal
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's so it, it is brutal um I remember you so you lived in Texas is that right mm-hmm yeah, and you also
1: in, go ahead. I lived in I lived in Houston for
0: about a year and a half. And you also lived in Los Angeles, right?
1: Yep, I lived uh, let's see, I lived in Venice. I was born in Venice, but I only lived there from about 90 or 89 till 97. I would I yeah. think uh I don't have just I was you know, very young. And then from there um grew up in thousand oaks but as soon as i turned 18 i moved back to venice lived in venice for a year or two then moved to the valley lived in the valley for a couple years all on Uh, your own
0: after the point of 18
1: uh 18 i moved in with my aunt she had a house in venice um and then in the valley i lived uh by myself and then moved into a uh I, at the time, my girlfriend's family's uh, house in North Hollywood. Um, and then, wow. yeah. Um, I knew we were close and obviously dating and, but I knew her family and it was, I lived there for a year. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> and then from there, I think I moved back. I moved back and forth from Venice a lot. Just cause my aunt lived there and, uh, then lived in West LA with a cousin and kind of moved every year for about like the last 10
0: and was uh during so all that moving how how like how many years would you say all that moving happened in like five years or until you settled down? You know,
1: really up until i moved to ventura uh like wow. three years ago yeah i just okay. moved every year i, I, I don't know it was, <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was the the 20s for me i'm 30 now the 20s for me were rough they were it was kind of a being lost kind of trying to find yourself. And, you know, if I moved in one area, okay, it's not happening here, but maybe it will be better over there. You know? Right. So I I jumped, I jumped around a bit.
0: Yeah. You were, I I don't, I feel like you might've said something about this. So in, in Texas, you were alone, right? I mean, you didn't, Mm -hmm. I mean, you made maybe you made friends, but you didn't really know anybody. Right.
1: No, I was like, Texas was, was dark. It was, um, I moved there for work. <clears throat> Excuse me. I do, um, I do corrosion control for the in- infrastructure of commercial and industrial buildings. And I moved there for work. And, um, when I was there, I didn't have any coworkers. Uh, I didn't have any family. I didn't have any friends. And I was not in like the, the greatest point in my life. Um, I was, um, I don't know. I was, I was having to figure some things out. And uh, so I, I had, I struggled meeting friends. I was kind of like, Oh, wow. It's, it's not easy to make friends as an adult. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, you know, that, that being alone kind of just started to be, it, it, it made Texas really difficult for me to where wow. and then I actually kind of became that, that guy in that bar. Uh, where you would just spend every day in the bar because it's, at least it's people, you know, yeah. you're not like alone in an apartment.
0: Yeah, yeah. You had an apartment. You were in the same place the whole time. You were in Texas, the same like apartment.
1: Yep, yep. On, uh, yeah, in in the city of Houston. Yeah.
0: I mean, how do you go about that? You make arrangements before you get to the city. You had an apartment, like you know, as soon as you landed, or you know, you have to be in a hotel for a week and then you find a place and. How, how did that go?
1: The reason I moved is because we had a coworker pass away, so it was like a real spur of the moment thing. Yeah. But before I had moved, I spent a year doing two weeks in LA and two weeks in Houston. Wow. So for a year, I had been staying in these like you know motels <laughs> throughout wow. Houston. So by the time that it was like time to move is really, I think a lot of it to do with just being so sick of traveling and so just overstaying in these motels and stuff like
0: that. Really? Because that, you know, I think a lot of people and maybe myself included fantasize about that, like, oh, it would be so great to have to, you know, like do what you just said, you know, travel from Houston every couple of weeks. And, it you know, it's so it sounds so glorious, but you're telling me it's not.
1: Yeah, so I, I had kind of thought that maybe the same thing. I, we're a small company, so one person's down, then there's a lot of weight to be pulled. So it, it wasn't a choice. It was more of like, this needs to happen. But I think maybe the first month or two months of doing that, uh, it was cool. But then, <laughs> you know, after that, you're just like, there's, there's, there's something that really only people that will travel out of state for work I feel like can relate to. Whereas it's not that you don't like traveling. It's that you're not home when you want to be and you don't Ah. have a choice. And it's like, yeah, I would love to be in Austin, Texas on a Saturday hanging out. But I'm here on a Wednesday and I didn't want to be like this wasn't good timing, you know, or, you know, going through the airport process every two weeks. Um, I don't know. It was it, it, it. I was not a fan of it. I had kind of thought it would be something really cool and adventurous too. And yeah. it was just not for me, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, who would, what kind of person would thrive on that? Somebody who doesn't have strong social ties to home? Like what, what kind of person could thrive in that sort of situation? Do you think?
1: You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't think I've met a single traveling businessman, which you do when you, uh, I, I will still travel doing, um, the day job, you know, plumbing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um and I'll I'll sit in a like a in a in a like a business hotel bar and commiserate with everybody else there. Like there's <laughs> not a single dude there who's pumped. Yeah. <laughs> like they're all just like fuck dude, it's like I'm missing my kids basketball game or wow. you know, whatever or it's yeah, it's not I love traveling. I just want to do it on my own like my own direction or have control in it. Not yeah, yeah. There's a randomness and kind of just a, um, I don't know. It's it's I, I I can see the fantasy with it, but for me at least, it's it's not for me.
0: Yeah, I remember. Uh, I want to say you said something to this effect. Um, something about not you. You can't just trust people. I I, I want to say you know, like being a single, not a single person, but being in just you know, it's just you out there in Houston. You know, you don't have any friends or family as far as you can tell. You know, you can't just go to a bar and just trust anybody. I I, I want to say you said something about that. You had to have your guard up. Was, any, was it like that at all for you? Or were you, did you, were you careful about where you went, who you talked to? Because, you know, you're just one guy out there all alone.
1: Yeah, I think... I, I don't know. I didn't have any really, like... I definitely... More that way now, but it may have been from not being so much that way in Houston, to where like I didn't have anything like gnarly happen. But I got into. I feel like there were some times that uh, it could have gone differently, but yeah, it was more from me just being open and you know drinking too much and like <laughs> I said, kind of in a, a in a bad place, so just not really using my head all that well. And yeah. I don't know, just, it's like when you, when you're unfamiliar with an environment, at least for me, I'm also neurotic and like paranoid and I always am, uh, you know, trying to be smart or at least get the feel for a place and get, you know, pick up on the vibe of the place and not just walk in blindly, um, uh, to anywhere. And I think that's amplified when you're out of state and unfamiliar, um, and yeah, there was, I mean, there's, there was a time I remember I was working in Midland Odessa, which is like oil field desert, <laughs> uh, just like really not for me, no disrespect to Midland Odessa, but I, I just drove in from Houston. I walked into an oil field bar, like oil field worker bar. Wearing an L.A. hat wow. like a Dodgers hat. Yeah. And, dude, I was—I didn't think I was going to get out of that place. Like, immediately, <laughs> I had so many people upset with me just for my hat. And I was like, whoa, like, dude, if I'm not smart here, I'm going to get my teeth knocked out.
0: Well, it it's just almost like, like I don't a know, culture shock or something. It, totally. Total culture shock. And it's so strange because they're American, you know? It's like they're Americans just like you. Maybe more Americans, Americans somehow. They're they're
1: Americans, but they're Texans first. <laughs> that's, that's one that's yeah. one thing you learn about Texas is it's, it's Texas before all. It's it's oh, actually, wow. it's actually
0: really trippy. <laughs> but yeah, they're Texans before anything. So wait, they do they 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 walk the walk because you know there's a lot of talk about that. Like you know, it's everything's bigger in Texas. Texas first. I mean, do they walk the walk also?
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, even even if you go from like rural to metropolitan, it's Texas first. (laughs) Texas is Texas. It's the state pride in Texas is really kind of second to none.
0: Uh, Did you meet any? um, what, What are the women like out there? Are they, you know, same as LA? Same as around here? You know, is there any noticeable difference in how you interacted with the opposite sex?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's a completely different culture,
0: you know, so I remember
1: I went on a date, uh, that I, I met some chick and, um, we went on a date to like a line dancing bar. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm <laughs> is that her idea? Yeah. I was like, oh, here, like meet me over at this, like this bar. I'm like, okay, cool. And I walk in, there's line dancing. And I was like, ah, oh, this <laughs> is, I'm in there with a bunch of cowboys. Like, dude, <laughs> this is so <laughs> out of my element. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was trippy, but no, I mean the, the general vibe of whether it be women or just most people out there is like really endearing, very nice. You don't, that, that Midland, you know, oil field story is is an anomaly The the majority of people I met out there was, they were really nice and they were, you know, they definitely, um, you know, had maybe what's the right way to put it? Like, um, maybe different politics or different um, different culture, but the the bottom line was that uh, they, they every most of the people I met were very nice. Just like you know, if you would go to L.A., a lot of people will yeah. give L.A. shit. Most of the people you meet out there are going to be really nice. You're going to have the <laughs> you know the idiot out there, but that's that's kind of anywhere. So it was it's yeah. the same thing, just
0: with like a Texas twist to it. <laughs> All right, so, are you telling me that basically people are kind? Most people, places you've yeah. been to, people are pretty good.
1: Yeah, exactly. The majority <laughs> of people, majority.
0: Have you uh, ever been in New York or the East Coast? I have. Yeah. Uh, I love Anthony New York. Anthony, uh, he he's been in New York a couple times, but um, one thing he said about like the East Coast, at least, is uh, or maybe it was New York City in particular. But that people are like a little rougher. They're a little more straight to the point. They're not going to beat around the bush. They're going to tell you what they want. They aren't going to lollygag. Um, what, what What was your experience like being on the East Coast or New York?
1: I only spent I've spent maybe a, a total of two weeks in New York. I've been there two or three times because I had a, a brother living out there. Uh, the first thing I remember honestly was the subway dude. And just how (laughs) horrific that was. (laughs) I was standing in a subway car. I was, it was, I was, we were going, my brother lived in Brooklyn and he worked in the city in Manhattan. So we, I went with him in the morning to go get his coffee and then, you know, kind of go through his morning routine. Um, so we (laughs) get coffee, then we go onto the subway. I don't know what subway it was, but, uh, from brooklyn into the city and man it's like it was like i didn't know like where to put my hands like you're so squished <laughs> in there i'm like i had my hands up on the uh on the like the whole like the bar you hold so you don't like get uh, like you don't like move around you know and then the <laughs> car takes off and everyone's slamming into each other and it's like people like breathing in your face and like it was just so it was hot and i was kind of hung over and it was like dude this is miserable yeah, uh, yeah, th- that. But I mean, honestly, New York is probably like one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been. Um, yeah, the people, it's it's a different culture. So like maybe Texas is a little bit, um, like the the pace is slower. Uh, right. Yeah. You, you know, it's more it's a it's a country type of feel. It's like a more of a southern feel, but with a Texan you know mm-hmm. vibe to it. New York is. The, like the pinnacle of the northeast it is that you know kind of everyone's moving it's there's a lot of people on the street there's these huge buildings there's a there's an energy in just walking I, when i would go there i would just walk because i just wow. you it's so there's something so trippy about walking through new york you just get a like an energy and a vibe and you know i'm also like passing by where all my favorite painters lived. like yeah, walking yeah. through these neighborhoods and it's just beautiful. I, I think New York is so awesome. I'm really glad not to be there now. Just, you know, obviously it's it's kind of the the it, or it's not kind of it is the epicenter of the epidemic. But also, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're gonna be stuck inside for two months, at least in California, we can we can get out and go. Um, it's just, it's a lot more spread out. You're not stacked on, on top of each other. (laughs) Um, but in, in New York, the whole, like from what I've gathered is like, the reason why you live in New York is because of the nightlife and the restaurants and walking Mm -hmm. through the city and, you know, you kind of live in a shoebox so that you can experience the city. The city is more of your living room. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool, man. I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's awesome.
0: Well, that that energy you were talking about when you just walk, you know, like I th- like I've never been there. So all I know is like what's on TV, you know, you get that cliche, you know, uh, shot where it's like, you know, dozens and hundreds of people just walking on the streets, you know, waiting for the red, the stop, the, you know, the the green light to turn red and they can walk. Uh, I, I heard I don't know where I heard it or what exactly they said, but but, you know, New York City, it's so expensive that by definition everybody there is just fucking fierce like they're working towards something they're they're walking with a purpose they're going somewhere they're they're making stuff happen did you get that sense at all yeah i i i I probably did but it's it's i
1: also wasn't like lollygagging like i'm i tried and be aware and stay out of people's way so i didn't have anyone like like move, like I'm trying to get to where I'm going, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, I think, I think there, it's a different, it's a different energy. It's uh it's much more fast paced. You definitely, depending on where you are in New York, If you're near wall street, everyone's, you know, on phones, wearing suits going. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, it is expensive, so maybe that would make it more cutthroat, but I didn't, I didn't, I, I, it was definitely a faster pace. People were walking, people walk fast. You stay out of people's <laughs> way. But I didn't, I never got like a, like a cutthroat feeling from it. Mm. I never got like a, like a ruthlessness of like not giving a shit. Like, yeah. I mean, if you're in any, if you're in downtown LA, I bet you could, you could get that feeling. You know, yeah, yeah. I would think metropolitan so. area, you know, you're going to, it's going to be, it's a little bit more intense, but. Um, I didn't, it, it wasn't like people weren't rude or anything like that. Um, I think a lot of times that has to do with just the way you carry yourself too. Like, are you oblivious? Are you walking into people? Cause you're texting or are you, are you like being cautious to stay out of people's way? and You know, stuff like yeah. that.
0: So, uh, Mr. Will Rusk, when did you start painting?
1: Started painting August 8th. 2016 and wow. yeah it was the day after i turned 27
0: was there some sort of um some events or some so, well you know it because you're so specific about the date uh and you it seems like you remember it very clearly was there something that triggered this desire or change or expression
1: yeah, it's I. It's kind of a long-winded answer, but I'll try not to have yeah, too much fat. Um, so I had, like I had kind of mentioned earlier, that the twenties were uh, a bit dark for me, and I was pretty lost. And I would, I, I've dealt with, um, you know, depression, OCD, anxiety, most of my life, and through. Uh, and 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 tried to use different methods in combating that. And you know, I, for, for a long time, I had been on uh, mental health medication. Um, there were definitely years where I tried to you know drink to try and help that uh, balance that out, which you know neither of those were working for me. So um, I remember I was hitting a wall again just mentally and not not really sure what to do and kind of was feeling like I was, I was losing a bit of hope. And uh, so I had decided to go off of all my medication, uh, which is really dangerous to do looking back on it. Um, but the, the reason I remember the date is because on my 27th birthday, August 7th, Um, I sat both my parents down and told them, uh, Hey, I'm off all my meds for probably like two weeks now. It's just, it's not working. And, you know, my parents are are really good parents and they've been with me and, you know, never given up on me and kind of been along with me in that struggle of mental health. And, um, I I'll never forget it, man. This moment changed my life. Um, you know so obviously immediately i tell them that and they're immediate they're both worried and like concerned of like okay well what's your plan like what are you going to do to try and keep this train on the tracks and i since i had been off the meds i for i don't there was a i don't know if it's a side effect or what but i it, it almost like i was having these really intense daydreams and mm. um i kept on daydreaming about this like large piece of wood that you know had all this like crazy stuff written all over it and then like just i just kept envisioning myself like just throwing paint at it like i just couldn't like i was fixated on this so you know in that moment when they say what are you going to do what is your plan Uh, i said i'm gonna get a piece of wood i'm gonna paint it and i'm gonna throw paint at it and you know, which looking back is like the craziest shit ever. But you know, my dad said, "Oh, like Jackson Pollock," and I I'd never heard of <laughs> Jackson Pollock. I never knew painters. I was never in the painting. And the next day, August eighth, he took me to Mocha and I saw Pollock, and I I was then obsessed. And wow. That day,
0: the, ne- the next day, he took you to see Jackson Pollock's stuff.
1: The next day. Wow, on the 8th. On the 8th. Yeah. I'll never forget it.
0: Where did it take you? LA?
1: Yeah, downtown LA, there's a museum called Mocha, a Ah. museum of contemporary art. And I think the painting is Jackson Pollock number 36. if I might be wrong. But uh, I walked up to that painting, and it's one of his drip paintings. And that's how I felt. That's how (laughs) I felt like. My wow. brain was, yeah, I felt like that was like my brain, my soul, like my life over those last years. Like I just, that yeah. there was nothing, there was nothing that spoke to me more clearly than the chaos in that painting. And right. I, I was obsessed after that. Well, it, it, I, And it, it changed my life that moment.
0: That I was uh, in preparation for this because I know you're a, a Pollock fan. I was uh, just going to, so, sort of researching a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know this could be wrong but I from I, I want to say uh, Pollock was like an abstract expressionist which means that well obviously abstract it's not like a figurative painting where it's like a horse or something it's just you know chaos or but but really though the the expressionism is like is a painting or a work of art that expresses an emotion. So like you yeah. said, you said you looked at a Pollock and you just saw the chaos or whatever the emotion was and you read, and if you felt it, um, did did you feel the, uh, the Pollock piece? Is that what you just said?
1: Yeah, no. And I, you just nailed it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's show it's expressing emotion. And I actually even remember, when I was looking at it, I like had to check my pulse. Like I felt like my, (laughs) my, my heartbeat was elevated. I was like, man, this is, this is like, I identified with it. And I also, you know, I didn't, I, when I had thought of painting, I thought of like Renaissance painting, you know, or like portrait paintings. I didn't know that you could have paintings that were so wild and like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That, that the expression in his painting, matched the emotion that I had felt in that moment and for years at that point.
0: Wow, it it sounds like a high to me. Like you look at it It totally you're just, you're just like yeah. out of not out of body, but it's sort of just like transcendental or something. You're just like floating.
1: It was yeah, it was like a transcendent moment. It was like it was it was I don't know, it almost it was like it was like I could relate to the painting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, that's where that, that's why I think that kind of painting is so interesting because, uh, so how can I say this? You know, I, I think a lot of people can look at a Jackson Pollock and I've, and I'm guilty of this too. You look at a Jackson Pollock and it's like, yeah, you know, I could do that. You know, I, I could throw paint around, but it's so much more than that. You know, how would you, are? how would you argue that it's more than just that?
1: It's a good question. Um, So I, well, it's not some, so with, with, with Pollock, he was the first to do it. Um, Right. There's there's actually a really great book that I'm currently reading called uh, Ninth Street Women. And it's all about the women in that movement from that period of time, because Mm -hmm. they didn't really get their due, you know? And the thing that takes the thing that's interesting about that book too is they were all together in it, though. So you learn about Pollock because he was dating Lee or married to Lee Krasner, or you you learn about William de Kooning because of Elaine de Kooning, and they mm-hmm. were all a, like a almost like a gang together, these abstractionists. Because it there was it was post World War II, there you couldn't they there was the world was broken, so they were trying yeah. to express themselves um i would say my argument with expressionist painting or um let's say pollock is um, one that the thing about a pollock painting is it's like that moment that i had it's not about the technical you know this or that it's it's Mm -hmm. more of like can you build something that Moves you. It's almost. It's like a like that moment is like for me was like a spiritual experience. Uh, yeah, yeah dude, totally. Some, some somebody had expressed what I felt, and you know maybe the closest thing to that was would have been music. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. lyrically could have matched that, but to see something visually. Um, but you know, for maybe somebody who's not in that moment to transport them into that frame of mind, or you know, expressionism and abstract, uh, like that, Paul, it's also, I kind of think of it as like looking at clouds. Mm. Like you, you kind of, it kind of, it kind of puts the, 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 the viewer in the driver's seat of where their imagination is going to take them through this portal. That is an abstract painting. It, it's, it's, it's not so much, um, it's not, it's not, it's not like, okay, what is this? It's just drips. It's more of like, no, what is it to you? Because yeah. it, it, it it can be anything. It can be, it can be slop. It could be, oh, this is what a five-year-old can do. Or it could be like, wow, like I feel like, <laughs> oh, look, like this is kind of taking me somewhere. Um, um. There's a lot of, a, a painter like that, um, that I didn't connect with for a long time. And then when I finally did, was like another Kind of spiritual moment was Mark Rothko, um, who who does these colorscapes that are I think that's what you would call them a colorscape, but it's a it's typically two toned. You have an outer border of a color and then an inner border of a color, and it's uh, it's not it's the right way to say it? it's not that it's it's simple, but it's not it's not very it's not like a, it's like the opposite of a Pollock. I would say like Pollock okay. is th- paint thrown everywhere. This is controlled. Yeah. So in in those paintings, you when you're sitting there and you're looking at them and you're going deep in you're sitting there and you have a fixed gaze, kind of controlling your breathing, mm-hmm. and you're staring at this painting, you know, you start to see the brush strokes. And then that yeah. kind of gets that cloud imagination. It it, it feels otherworldly. It kind of it kind of transports you from where you're at into this new dimension where your imagination now has the reins or you're kind of picking up on little things that you didn't see or yeah um it's really cool
0: yeah i i uh, i haven't heard of that person you just said who What would you say his name was mark what roscoe i i haven't heard of him uh but you know you know what i love um angela said it to me once um i i don't know if it was in relation to pollock or somebody else like you know i think we went to a lacma have you heard of lacma yeah, and uh, there I think there was some crazy painting. It was like a really big canvas, like really big, like the size of like a big wall. And mm-hmm. I, I almost want to say it was like all blue or something. It was very simple, just a perfect canvas of blue. And you know, in my ignorance, I I thought like, oh well, like like it, it, that that's art. Like that's just blue, but but someone did that, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, someone, so, so I guess I would take it back to say, oh, well, you know, anybody could do that or I could do that. Yeah. But you didn't and you haven't yet. Totally. The, you know, that, yeah. that's, it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe you could. It, it actually, I suspect it's a lot harder than it looks, but the fact is, is that you didn't and you haven't. So shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah, I I I like. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. And it sounds like you're talking about a a Yves Klein painting. I think that's his name. Uh, Mm. He actually, it was he. There's that blue. If we're talking about the same painter, is named after him. He created that Mm. blue. Oh wow! And it's if if I if it is one of his paintings. There's a lot of texture with that blue, Mm. and the. If I, I might be getting this wrong, but I believe that the the point of those all blue paintings was to have like an like a a it was an experience like going into the universe or going into infinity and you know it, at first you look at it it's all blue and then you sit with it for a little while and you start to notice the texture and then you start to go deeper into it and. It's kind of this otherworldly experience Mm. that you can have by just having paint on a wall. Um, And, you know, when when people say I could do that or my kid could do that, (laughs) I always want to say just like, well, you should because you never know where it's going to lead. You might be a a badass painter and you will start off doing, you know, mimicking or making fun of some of these paintings and one you'll, you'll probably see the difficulty in what they achieved and two right. who knows you might be opening a door that you know who knows where it could lead it's it's so much with art is just starting and
0: right right
1: you know it, it's it's like let's say you try and do one thing and it fails but it 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 Turned you, you, you spotted something else and making that mistake, or even mocking that you know painter or whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, I I always I, I really enjoy abstract expressionist paintings. I I dig the 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 kind of the way you can get lost in those paintings, and you know it's it's like music. Not every painter is for me. Not every painting of a painter I like is for me. There's plenty of paintings that I don't like from some of my favorite painters, but you know, if you're the, the, the ones that hit, they just move you, uh, remove me. They. it's like, it's, it's, it's like the closest thing to a, to a, a sacred object in my life is, is a really amazing painting.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. Cause I, I think it's like abstract expressionism. It definitely has that feeling for me like where I look at some abstract piece and I feel something. But you know what's interesting too is I remember uh, – I'm sure you know this piece. Uh, when I went to LACMA a few years ago, there was a Picasso and it was during – I think it was a piece from his blue period. And it wasn't like um, – it wasn't just like a – it wasn't like a cubism sort of piece. It was like a, an actual painting of like a guy, some some person with a woman. I actually know, not, know that exact. Poem. You know that painting, and
1: one of my favorites. I,
0: yeah, I, it's really big too. It's like taller than I am. It's like actually a really big piece. But I remember looking at it, and there was just something in the care in the person's expression in that in that that figure that character where that resonated with me. I'm like, wow, I know like what that feeling is that that person has even though it's just a painting like the character that picasso painted but that's also it's like expressionism and abstract work is really powerful in that way but sometimes even that like clear cut like you know person painting is like gives me that feeling too sometimes even when the picture totally. is like obvious and clear you look at the character's eyes and you're like wow i know what that means you know
1: yeah it's it's not it, it being direct or so that blue period is when Picasso lived in France and it was mm. his depressed. He was broke. He was depressed. Um, his best friend had killed himself. Um, and it was, you can feel that in those paintings. And just because it's a clear pi- a picture of a guy, I think he was sitting in a chair.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and he's got a mustache.
0: Exactly. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I can, there's even a, a, a well-done figurative painting like that. Um, it, 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 I, it will still invoke emotion. Like, um, mm. even just like, uh, maybe a, a, a song or a poem that's very direct. It's not vague yeah. at all. It doesn't take away from the emotion that mm. it, it it creates, you know? So looking at that painting with the blue paint and the look in his eyes and, just the vibe of the brush strokes. Like that's one of the things that's really <laughs> amazing about painting is you can set a tone, you can set a vibe, you set an energy with the way that you apply the paint and blend the paint. And just, you know, even the way that you do the chair or, um, you know, the mm. cigarette he's holding, you're, you're setting a feeling an energy of vibe. Um, that is, there's, there's, something so special about that with paint it's magical to me i mean i'm not a woo person except for art i'm straight up woo Mm -hmm. like that is the woo the spiritual of it is is with that paint you you're you have a you know for me a lot of times i'll I'll, like i'll feel a story or i'll feel that energy or man like it's it's it can it can shake you in the best way you know just it's really amazing and those are yeah. my favorite Picasso's, by the way, are the Blue Period. He's got a bunch of those blue paintings that are incredible.
0: Yeah, I just remember being really moved by it. I I there there must have been like a small Picasso area in LACMA that we looked at. There was a few. I think he, yeah, I, I can't remember now. It's so fuzzy. It was a few years ago. Um, but it's so easy. It's so easy to be a critic. You know, you you look at a or work. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's all right. Oh, it makes me feel this. And I think that's it, it's it's j and, and I, I speak for myself. I can't speak for others because I've said it I've said it probably a handful of times, like, oh, I could do that, you know, in the back of my head, um, even though I haven't. But it it's so easy to be a critic, you know. Um, so with that being said, with your own work. Do you feel any doubts? Do you worry about what other people think, what other people say? You know how how do you deal with that?
1: I think I used to probably a lot more. Um, I don't now. Um, I think there's always an underlying element of fear or um, self-doubt. I think that's all part of the process of making art. Like you, you know, at one point, maybe, there's fear and, you know, um, not being certain. And then you kind of get over it. There's, there's, there's a few things there's Okay. There's one book in particular that really helped me. So
0: mm.
1: with art or when I'm trying to do art and a lot of art that I feel like I really enjoy is you're, 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 you're trying to kind of bear your soul. You're trying to be as authentic and real and honest and, just you're you're this is you, right? Um so a great book is a book called Art and Fear, mm-hmm. which is breaking that down. And um it's 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 and anyone can be a critic, but somebody who actually puts themselves out there, there's such even if I'm not into the art, it doesn't matter. I respect anybody who's vulnerable in that way. And that's yeah. what art is all about. Um it's just I, I'm sure you have similar feelings when you uh, put out music or play live or do these podcasts. You're, you're, you're vulnerable. Um, and Theodore Roosevelt had a great speech where he talked about the man in the arena.
0: That's literally what I was thinking about just right now. Thank you for bringing that up.
1: Yeah. Whether you fail miserably or reach the highest highs, you know, there is a, a respect and and there's an honor to being the man in the arena, and anybody in the crowd who shits on him is—it's just a different. You're on a different playing field. You're not in the arena. There's there's something special about being in the arena, and it's part of the gig. You're always going to have critics and people that say bullshit or negative things. Doesn't matter. You're in the arena. They're not.
0: Yeah, that that's one of my favorite quotes i i re i had looked it up recently i'm trying to pull it up oh wait is this it? yeah i'm, I'm trying to pull it up uh i i love that quote because it says yeah i, I wish i had it in front of me here but something yeah, like I'll, i can
1: find it yeah see I'll if you can
0: pull it, it up it, it it's such My dad, it, it, yeah my, my dad actually just sent it to me <laughs> yeah it, it really resonated with me because i sometimes am the I sometimes am the man, The, re, the I'm sometimes the uh, man in the arena, and it varies, you know, we're we're just humans, you know, we, it's hard for us to not judge what we see, but um, it sort of uh, uh, revitalizes me, I feel like, you know, fuck it, like when I write a song or do something, it's like, you know, who cares about the person criticizing it, you know, they're in the stands, they're not in the arena.
1: I agree. All right, you ready? I'll read it to you. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at who at the best knows in the end of sorry, uh, who at the best knows in the end, the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. (laughs) <laughs> so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. It's beautiful.
0: Mm, that last—I I love the whole thing, but that last line—I love it so much. It, you know, that for, it, it's be- So when you when the man in the arena, whether he fails or succeeds, doesn't have to doesn't have to you know like the person in the stands who doesn't know. Um, defeat or accomplishment—it's—it's it's like the, at least the man in the arena, whether he wins or loses, knows the best and the worst. Uh, so that—that's that's my answer to the critics. That quote right there, you know. I agree. It's, it's like criticize all you want, but what are you doing? You know how what, yeah. what why do you get to say why I suck? And you know, it's like you're just sitting. You're sitting in the chair. Well, and
1: there's something that's beautiful about finding your hill to die on. Like this is this is this is my arena. This is what I've chosen to, whether it be out of embarrassment. There's some really actually great Bukowski um, poems about that exact that same type of thing. But it's like, yeah, you'll you won't know that the highs are the lows. You it's 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 you're a, the the timid souls that can you know talk shit from the stands. It's, it's so easy to do that, but to actually yeah. march into the arena, to march on that hill and to, you know, stand as the man that you are is is an epic and I think a, a worthy cause.
0: Yeah, there I, I actually pulled a couple of uh, Bukowski um, quotes just just because I know you're uh, you're a Bukowski fan. I actually uh, haven't read anything. I borrowed a book called The Women him i haven't read it yet but um i've read some quotes from it uh for example i like I, I like this and maybe you can answer this question for me bukowski said or wrote find what you love and let it kill you do you think you found that yet
1: yeah i definitely have and i feel extremely fortunate to have found it Um uh, this is, I think, actually probably the best answer to that question is I actually pulled up my one of my favorite uh, Bukowski poems. And I think it's the uh, a good answer to that question. Yeah, it's called it's called Roll the Dice. Ooh. If, you're, if you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. If you're going to try, go all the way. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, jobs, and maybe your mind. Go all the way. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision, mockery, isolation. Isolation is is the gift. All the others are a test of your endurance, of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it despite rejection and the worst odds, and it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like that. You will be alone with the gods, and the nights will flame with fire. Do it. Do it. Mm. Do it. All the way. All the way. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that that it's rough. I, I really love that clip. Do you know? Is that a poem, or do you know what that's from?
1: I think, yeah, it's a poem. I, I yeah, I'm not what, super educated on poetry, but I believe that's a poem.
0: What do you think? Because I I sort of um wonder about a part of that quote where he, and when I say wonder, I mean, you know, what do I think this means, and what do you think this means? Here's part of that he says. If you're going, if you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. What does that mean? If you're gonna, st- if you're gonna start, go all the way, or don't start at all. What does that mean? I think.
1: So, not to, not to go. So on his gravestone, it says, "Don't try." And <laughs> the re- the reason why it says, "Don't try," is because if you have to try then it's, it might, it might not be that calming. Mm. Um, I know for with, with, when it comes to art, um, and specifically painting, you know, that was what ended up getting me off of the medication and, and stop, you know, being a booze bag. And it gave me, it gave me mental relief. I, I really don't I know I don't have a choice. There is no other way. I don't have to try because there isn't an option. So, you know, at the moment that's expressing myself through pain, it may be something later in life. I don't know, but I do know this is that I, I have to do that because I feel like I start to, you know, go crazy and not in a, like, not in a, again, like a, in, in a like I I feel like my brain doesn't work as well if I'm not creating art. I feel like my I feel like my soul starts to die. So, you know, if you're not if you're if you're if you're going to go all the way, go all the way or don't even start. Means don't pussyfoot around. Don't don't beat around the bush. Like 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 if you're going to go for it, fucking do it. Don't waste time hit it, hit it with both feet. And I, I, I agree with that. And I also feel like there's not an option. Um, I I feel like my, my life depends on it. Um, art has given me that outlet and it obviously had given him that outlet to where he, you know, when he talks about not, not having to try, uh, it's, he he talks about being on a in a on the floor of a shack in somewhere in the south and uh, he found these newspapers on the floor and he would write on the thin column where the words <laughs> were at the yeah. end of the page to, just cuz he had to write like if it's in you yeah let it out and if you're going to let it out and be in the arena go all the way fuck it you only yeah. live once you know
0: yeah. I mean, it, it. it's tough. You know, I, I'll see a picture or any in any situation. I'll, I'll see pictures or see people in the real world, older people. And you look at them and you say, you know, they've lived a life. And you wonder, what kind of life have they lived? Did they live to their fullest potential? Do they have regrets? Do they still wonder what could have been and and i think about myself and i you know we're still young guys we're 30 i wonder you know when i'm that age I, all i can hope is that i've lived as fully as i can that i tried as hard as i could i would hate to to talk to my future self and find out that I didn't try as hard as I could, or I didn't go as far as I could. So that's why that quote means a lot to me that, you know, if you're not going to go all the way, don't start at all. I have doubts about that and insecurities about that. I want to feel like I am going on with two feet, you know, Uh, that's sort of like a source of doubt for me. Sometimes I wonder, it's like, am I just wasting time, not doing what I'm doing, but like in general, am I might just lollygagging just kind of sp- wasting the day and I and I don't want to that my I want to so badly be productive and satisfy my expression um it, it really feels crummy to not feel like you're w- operating at full capacity you know what I mean
1: yeah I think it's one of my biggest fears is is lying on a deathbed not having gone all the way um, right I think that's a huge motivator um, is is the fear of, of of holding back and then being faced with death and you know thinking fuck I really didn't I could have done so much more um,
0: yeah, it's, yeah it's
1: like that is a huge motivator for me um, yeah and uh, I, I think it's it's good to remember. To be honest, I think it's good fuel. I think to keep yeah. that in my head at all times of, hey, you don't know when your card's pulled. If this pandemic shows anything, it shows that nothing's certain. It could all change overnight. You know, whether that be, you know, I wake up tomorrow and I have trouble breathing, or right. um, you get you get hit by a car, or whatever. Um, there is no guarantee that you're going to be able to be 90 on a bit deathbed regretting things. So, <laughs> you, so you, you, better, you, you better hit it now. And I, I, I use it as a, as fuel is, is those thoughts of yeah. going all the way um, of not trying, trying, there's always going to be regret in life. It's part of life, but um, trying to not regret, not putting enough effort in, like I can make mistakes. I've made a, a billion, and so have you, and so has anybody else on the planet that's lived and has any sort of awareness. Mm-hmm. But if I can focus my energy on going all the way in a positive way, like in, in a positive sense, um, and use that fear of of not of not um, Use the fear of of sitting there questioning your own mortality and thinking, fuck, I could have done this. I could have done that. Maybe I should have tried harder. I took for granted oh, those days in the, the studio. That's the worst. I try and keep that at the forefront of my mind. That's my motive. That That's fuel right there. I, I want to be on that bed thinking, yeah, I did it. I really went yeah. for it.
0: Yeah, fuck it. Like, you know, I've got to a point where I don't care about the accolades. I don't – you know – would it be great to be recognized? Of course. Of course, that would be great. But that's not like the that's not the thing I care about anymore. Maybe when I was younger, I wanted to be recognized and known and acknowledged. I, that I don't care about anymore like as much as I used to at least. Like now I feel like I just want to feel like I've expressed myself fully. I want to feel like I've done the best I can in all the important aspects of my life. You know, was I a good brother? Was I a good son? Was I a good husband? Was I a good friend? Was I a good bar patron? You know, I, I, that's like, what's important, you know, was I good, did I did I try at everything I did? Whether I'm acknowledged acknowledged or not, that's not as important anymore. I just wanna like, at the end of this, feel satisfied. You know what I mean?
1: I dude, I, I'm on the exact same page. I I couldn't agree more and I couldn't relate more to where um you know that's actually one of the things that's good about being a painter is you see how many painters are not even recognized until after they're dead. So it's like being recognized really, if you're a painter, you're that's kind of a, an element of chance. Like but <laughs> were you did you give it your all? Were you a good brother? Mm -hmm. Were you a good son? Were you a good friend? Um, That's really, that's what it's really all about for me. I can't tell anybody else what to think, but I I couldn't relate more. And having that satiated feeling
0: of like, Yeah. yeah,
1: you know what, it may have gotten cut short, or maybe I could have done this or that better. But you know, I, did, I know I tried my best. I, I I tried to be a good person and a good artist and tried to, to do my best. That's all you can do. And I, and I yeah. think using those reminders of how short this thing is. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I was 20 yesterday. So, <laughs> Dude, it's, it's a
0: blink of an eye. I mean,
1: yeah, realizing it goes fast is like it, it, goes it fast. helps me. Yeah, it helps me really kind of put the the brick on the gas pedal yeah. and say, "Fuck it, let's do this." Like, for us <laughs> do it. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Go all the way. It's like you know why why pussyfoot. You know this race. It's like, it, you know, not it's not a competition per se. Of course, in some ways it is. I don't like. Of course, like life is a competition. But what I'm trying to say is that you know. We're all in it together. You know, we're all trying to put the brick on the gas pedal. We all want to experience, you know, the top uh, the top of our, you know, possible experience. It's all we want. Um, Definitely. And that's why I love, like, you know, I have this uh, insecurity, maybe you can call it about others and like their productive work like sometimes i think like oh fuck like that person just did this like why why aren't i doing that oh i could do that you know it's like a subconscious thought i'm not saying i dwell on it i'm just saying it's sort of like a subconscious thought but i love i love when i'm motivated by somebody else it's so it, it it makes me happy like that somebody else's work or their choice or their experience makes me want to live to that extent too so even though sometimes it's maybe like a jealousy or like a insecurity the net gain from that feeling is that i try to live better and so so i guess that, that, I know that's very foggy, but I, I'm just saying that. No, no, like,
1: I, I totally get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, it, it's very, like, convoluted. It's like, you know, oh, is that bad? Is that good? That's not really the question or the answer. But, like, you know, I'll see people on social media, like, doing stuff or, like, I, or I'll judge their stuff. But, you know, the truth is, is we're all in this together. We're, we're all in this fucking game of life that we all have to negotiate every fucking moment of the day. And I, I try every day to be more gracious than the previous day because I can, I can be hard around the, the edges, you know, where I where I judge somebody. Um, but it's like you know, at the, at the end of it, it's like we're all trying to do the same thing, you know. We all just want to be happy. We all just want to satisfy our desires and our needs. And uh, you know, what why, why should I be the person to to, to 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 cause somebody to stop that, you know? So, so my point is, is that I love when I'm motivated by somebody else and I, and I love if maybe I can motivate others too. You, you know what I mean?
1: Definitely. I mean, the, I, I can relate to what you're saying and you know, the, a couple of things, one, you know, I think everybody deep down wants to be liked, mm. you know, and wants to connect and wants to feel a part of and, you know, part of life is this stumbling into walls and thinking that this is the way to go about, it or that's the way to go about it. And, and fucking up and then, you know, realizing, um, okay, I'm learning from this, this, that's, that's not the way you do things. This is the way you do things. Um, mm. so it's like everyone's including both of us, it, we're all learning and growing and, you know, Something we're doing, you know, maybe at this point in time is not the move, but we're not going to know that until <laughs> a year from now. And you look yeah. back and reflect and be like, oh, shit. OK, I see. And and I feel like having really analyzed and gone through my own life and tried to to trying to learn from my mistakes or whatever, um, I can see uh, um, I can, I can see the error of my ways in the past and it gives, I feel like it gives me a little bit of compassion for people that are maybe dropping the ball in their own life right now. Uh, in the sense yeah. of like, no, i did, I've, I've, compl- I've done something similar or I, you know, I, I screwed up my own, my own way. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like to, to, to finish what I'm saying, there's the, there's another thing, of uh, you know, instead of trying to look at people in a way of judgment or in that critic way, look at it um, more in a sense of like, okay, maybe I'm not into that, but I'm going to try and be inspired, like choosing to be inspired as opposed to choosing to be resentful or judgmental or like be a hater. It's like, no, okay, that might not be for me, but I'm not going to focus on that. Let me, let me walk into a room and, you know, like a, a painter, I'm, particular like really kind of obsessed with right now is is a painter named Anselm Kiefer, Mm -hmm. and I get so inspired looking at this guy's paintings (laughs) and how limitless it is and it's it's like it's also you know what you're what you bring into your brain into your life that's a filter and you can bring in negativity like I've brought I've definitely been there where it it was just so negative and I just try and 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 tune that filter to where I'm I'm bringing things in that inspire me, or you know, um, if somebody's having a hard time trying to relate with them, in in the sense of like, oh, I've been there too, but you you know, you can you can you're you can get out of that, or you're better than that.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's very it's like a disease with me. Like it, it's just like insecurity and jealousy. Like I, it's just like an instinct in me to like judge something or criticize something in the back of my mind. But I feel like I'm I'm grateful that I can at least notice that I do that. And you know, give it five seconds and all of a sudden my world is turned over where I can say, oh, okay, I'm just being an asshole. This person's trying. They're making something. Why should I be the reason they stop? So so I'm I'm grateful for that.
1: Yeah. They're in the arena.
0: Yeah, they're in the arena. Exactly. And you know it's very hard to control.
1: Of, you're aware of that tendency. We all have negative. We all ha, we all have negative inside of us. You know, yeah. some hide it better than others, but it, there's 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 darkness in all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you're aware of it and you're aware of um, those those uh, that that reaction that you have, then you can change it. And it, you might yeah. you, instead of having it torment you over a week, you can snuff <laughs> it out in five seconds, like you just said. Yeah. Of like, yeah, oh, I have this knee-jerk reaction, you know, to, to have this negative feeling, but you know that, and you can you can shift that energy five, ten seconds in. That's beautiful, man. That's that's like that's growth, you know. Yeah. That's 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 a that's a huge thing because there's plenty of people who don't and let that shit eat them up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, but it reminds me of um there. I, I can't think of the quote exactly, but it, it's a Mark Twain quote where he said something like, "and it's what it's what I aspire to." Ever since I read it, I was like, "you know, that's great. I, I like people like this." It's something like, you know, a great man. And when I say man, I mean person. But his quote is man. He says, uh, "A great man will make others feel great too." You know, and so I and I love that. I love. So do that. I. You know, where I, that. I look at someone's art or their song or they do something. I'm like, oh, you know, oh, I could do that. Like, yeah, fuck yes. Yeah, this, is, this is awesome. Now I want to be awesome. And that that's sort of what I aspire to be. So like the opposite of that negativity, I feel sometimes I think of something like that where it's like, wow, maybe like it can just be flipped around and this negative energy can be converted into like inspiration and, you know, uh, you just helping somebody and making myself better as opposed to dwelling on some like jealousy or insecurity.
1: 100%. And that, that negativity will also maybe be able to help you um, connect with somebody else who's feeling that same negative emotion. And you can kind of say like, Hey, listen, I can relate. I have the same feelings, but check it out. It's way better on this side. The grass is greener over here. If you take that negativity and you turn it into positivity or into inspiration, uh, life is better. And, you know, but having those feelings and acknowledging those feelings will may help you able, you know, may, may, uh, you might be able to connect somebody else who's having those same things and you can Mm -hmm. show them how it's actually become a positive in your life, you know?
0: Yeah. So. Let me ask you, I have just a couple more questions for this session, at least, because I think uh, we might have to do this weekly, to be honest. Uh, I, li- I like talking to you. Uh, so, likewise, my friend. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a cliche question, but if, you know, the person you are now, if you could go to yourself as a youngster, you know, in middle school or high school, talk to your past self, what would you tell yourself?
1: It's a really good question. Definitely thought about this. I let me think for a second.
0: Because I knew I know you now, and I know who you were back then. So that's why it's that's why it's interesting to me. I think of yeah. who you were before. You know, you were like a, an athletic or an athlete, I should say. Um, and maybe I don't know. I don't know if you were on meds back then too, or you know what the deal was. I I just wonder. You know now. that you have all this information experience, what would you tell yourself?
1: It's, it's interesting because there's, I feel like I've gone through a lot of phases in my life. So there's like a, there's different advice I'd give for different periods of time in my life. But I think (laughs) what I, what I would, what I would do is tell myself to embrace myself for who I am. Stop trying to be other people. Just Mm -hmm. embrace yourself for who you are. You are enough just as you are. Um, don't overthink things. Don't beat yourself up. Just learn and move on stronger and smarter. Um, but, and something else I think I would really say to my younger self is it gets easier. It gets better. Like it's fucking yeah, yeah. brutal right now. And there's, it doesn't <laughs> seem like there's, there, it doesn't seem like the, the road is not illuminated, mm-hmm. but it gets easier the older I get, the more I feel like I, I sink into who I am in a positive way. Um, and I, I, I don't dwell as much. I mean, there was such a period of time where I would beat myself up. And in that, in, in youth, there's so much self-consciousness and there's so much self doubt and, um, fear and, you know, self-hatred and all that stuff. And, um, Hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's part of growing up, but I I think I would tell myself, you know, if it, uh, I heard a great quote and if it, if it's not going to affect you in five years, don't think about it for more than five minutes, Mm -hmm. move on, move on stronger and smarter, all these hard times and all these, um, you know, all these negative experiences are going to make you stronger and um, they're going to, they're going to help you. So it gets easier. Be yourself know who you are and and like do work on yourself and mm. and and really dive into that and then just 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 keep trucking because it it, <laughs> it gets better
0: yeah so let me ask you one more question before we uh finish this off mr will rusk my friend i've known you let's see so if i calculate I've known you. I've known of you since at least seventh grade. Did you go to Kalina when you were a seventh grader? Eighth grade. Okay, eighth grade. So that do, do you do you remember me at all in eighth grade? Because I remember you a little bit.
1: Of course I do. I was I only looking remember- at the 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 virus and and uh, the punk rock jackets and <laughs> you know Operation Ivy shirts and thinking how cool yeah. it was, even though I was a basketball player. I was like, man, these punk rockers are, are rad. So I do remember <laughs> that, you for sure. That's
0: what I remember about. I, I remember you being a basketball player in, in a, at least it must've been eighth grade, I guess. That's the first, uh, so if I calculate those years, let's see. I was a freshman in 2001. No, sorry. Excuse me. I was a sixth grade in 2001. So that means I met you or I knew of you probably in 2003. So that means seven years plus 10 years. I have known of you probably at least 17, 18 years. Um, so, so I have a good I have an answer to this question I'm about to ask you, but my answer isn't as important. Here's my question: Who the hell are you?
1: I am Will Rusk, and I am honored to, to have a friend like you that is, you know, doing what you're doing. I love the podcast. I'm proud to be your friend. You're a good man, and uh, I feel like I am somebody who is really lucky to be surrounded by really good people and uh, you being one of those people.
0: Will, I think we should do this again.
1: We definitely, we definitely should. All right, brother. I love you. All right, love you, too, my friend. Take care of yourself. Stay safe, and uh, we'll all get through this crazy time together.
0: Yeah, we'll talk soon. Much love. See you, brother. Peace.